All right, we are, um, we are continuing our study in Ephesians this morning, and um, I think this morning what I'm going to do is I'm just going to, to read the passage, uh, and then we'll get right into it. There is not a, a lot of uh, introductory comments that are needed. So if you have your Bible, grab it, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, if you don't have your Bible, there should be a handout there. Alright, I'm going to read the same passage of Scripture from last Sunday, and then uh, continue on though. Verse 25, chapter 4 says this, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that, me, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only as such is good for building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Just a couple of comments. Um, last week, we, we, um, I spoke on verse 25 which says, put away falsehood and let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. There, we are, uh, there, there is like, I would honestly say, a, a, a borderline crisis within the church, within the body of Christ, on honesty and integrity. For people to actually say something and mean it and do it is rare. We, we have to be, as followers of Jesus, this does not have to get too complicated. There has to be a, a continual desire for personal integrity. That you will actually follow through on the things that you commit to. Um, there is even, um, statistically, you know, uh, marriage is on the decline, the number of people getting married. And that even relates to this. That, but people more and more, and, I, and you see this in the church, people are more and more unwilling to make promises, unwilling to even make a commitment, because they always want to look around for something better. And it even impacts, you know, if you're single, um, that, that whole cultural thought process is significant. Even if you're married, always looking for something better. You don't want to make a commitment, you don't want to make a promise, because I might hold out for something better. And, and Paul is telling us to be the body of Christ, to be... Um, to be a part of a healthy church, there must be integrity within the body. All right, and so that's significant. I'm going to pray, and we're going to talk about anger. And what does the Bible say about anger? All right, let's pray. Father, I just pray uh, that in the next 25 minutes or half hour, that as we look deeper into, into your word and examine <clears throat> this concept of anger, uh, I pray that through the power of your spirit, we would get this right, that we would get this truth 
into our lives with clarity and that we would uh, live this out. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and pray that your Holy Spirit would be here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is probably one of the most interesting and almost shockingly uh, true and, and verses in the Bible. There is a command in the Bible that says to be angry. And the equal command, though, is to be angry yet not sin. And one of the, the best and worst things about my job is that I get to and have to think about this stuff all week. And, um, and so Monday morning, <clears throat> we're driving to work, and, um, and we've got my wife and I and our three boys, we all go to the Palisades every morning to go to school. We teach there. And I was driving, and, and someone, I could see my rearview mirror just coming really fast and, and, and cuts me off, and just in a really dangerous way. And, and it, it was like so classic, like thinking about this, thinking about righteous anger, being angry, angry but, don't, but don't sin. And, and um, Karen just put her hand on my leg and said, like, don't. <laughs> it was too late. <laughs> it was too late. I was seriously angry. And here's the thing. And, I, and honestly, I've been thinking through this. And it, everything changes when you have kids. Right? If I honestly, and, I, and I, I've been thinking a lot about this and praying about this. If I was by myself, I probably, honestly, I think I could have let it go. It wouldn't have bothered me. But when someone does something dangerous... And, and puts my family at risk, I get pretty upset pretty easy. And, um, and so I, I, I uh, in my amazing driving skills, find a way to get right next to him, and I pull up, and I'm not, we're like this on the highway, and I'm not going anywhere until he looks at me. <laughs> and so finally he looks at me, and I, in my very sweet, and unfortunately, I don't even know if she knows this, but Karen Renner was behind me the whole way. Uh-huh. Did you see? <laughs> my sin will find me out, right? It was beautiful. And all I said to the guy, and I, and I was angry, and all I said to the guy was, I've got kids. I've got kids. And, and I said that probably three times. And Cameron was like, well, what, you, what were you hoping to accomplish? <laughs> <laughs> and here's my comeback. You all laughing at me. <laughs> like I said, all I was trying to do was trying to shame him to drive safe. <laughs> like, I probably didn't work. I'm like, I'm going to shame you. <laughs> and um, I gave him the look. And here's the thing. I found a verse. Okay? I did what you're, you're like totally trained not to do in seminary. Find a verse to justify your sin. <laughs> I gave him the look. And, uh, and I'm going to show you later on that Jesus is going to give the look. The, the look in anger. Um, here, here is the reality. The reality is, and is the, the passage will show us this morning. There is a razor edge sharpness and, and ease that anger goes to sin. It is, it, is, it is almost always when we do things in anger, it ends up in sin. And we have to get this right. Because here's what happens often. We get angry when someone says something that, that hits your pride when someone says something and it, and it hits your ego, and it's something that's like a personal attack, we get angry. 
And the Bible says the exact opposite about that kind of stuff. That we are to be patient, tender-hearted, that we are to be peacemakers. There are rare occasions that we need to be angry. And this is what often happens. If you find Christianity boring, um, if you're a guy and you find it boring, effeminate, and for girls, you don't understand, you don't understand Jesus. He gets angry all the time. And your Christian life will be boring. If, you, if all you care about is your own personal happiness and, and isolating yourself from, from hurting people, your life will be boring and, and, and maybe in your own world temporarily happy. If you look closely at the life of Jesus, you'll see that he gets angry. And so let me, let me start off by doing this. Elaine, can we put the slide up? All right, here's, um, here's one definition of, of anger to help us have some common ground, right? And this is by Tim Keller. You all know that I enjoy reading him. Anger is the capacity to be roused to action at the sight of evil, put into us by God, part of his image, being in his image, and therefore a precious thing. You see, what happens is we need the Christian church, and another guy that I like to read, John Stott, said the Christian church, he's an old dead guy now, the Christian church needs more angry Christians. And here's what he means by that, is that, that we need, when there is evil happening in the world, when people are being abused and taken advantage of and, and hurt, that's what he's talking about, that, 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 should make, that should put something within us that we want to do something about that. That we want to be a people, a community that are pursuing healing. That are standing up for people that can't stand up for themselves. That we're, that we're in tune to injustice in the world. That, we don't, that we're not apathetic towards people that are hurting. Anger should be uh, an emotion that leads to action. One way to think about it, um, that I, another guy I was reading this week, and he, he used the the definition of nuclear energy, right? Nuclear energy used properly has much benefit. If there's a meltdown, massive harm. All right, so if anger is understood the right way in your life, that it's about standing up for things, um, standing up for people that are hurting, it's standing against evil, that's used the right way. If you're the kind of person that has little temper tantrums and you lose uh, your temper and you have little fits and little, little, little outbursts of anger, you cause nuclear meltdowns in your relationships and you bother everyone and you potentially hurt lots of people. And so this morning, we'll look at the command and then the three warnings. All right. So if you have your Bible, look at it. The number one command, the first command of these, verse 26, is be angry. Here, just, here's a couple thoughts about this. Here's a couple implications from the text. The verse says, be angry uh, and do not sin. So number one, it is very easy to sin when you get angry. It is extremely easy to sin when you get angry. All right? In fact, if we're thinking about this like interpersonal relationships, when someone does maybe someone does something that's like legitimately, legitimately wrong and they're hurt. And our response, our first response, almost always ends up 
as sin. And so the suggestion is, is to know this, that almost always your immediate reaction to evil, how you want to handle it, is almost always wrapped up in some type of sin. Okay? And here's what I mean. Even like my driving situation. Here's the foolishness of it or how sin could be twisted up in that. While in my own mind I wanted to justify like protecting my family and there is some validity to that. I also then, by driving recklessly to catch up to someone, put everyone else at risk on the highway. Alright? So it's that easy. And listen, depending on your personality, but some of us, we can be so self-righteous in our attempt at justice. Some of you love justice, and you, and that is a good thing, but you'll pursue justice at any cost in your own self-righteousness, and it often happens in younger people. You know what you think is right. No one will stop you, and you don't think through the implications of how you behave. So, be angry, do not sin, is this. It is very easy Extremely easy to sin when you get angry. All right, but the other implication is this: is that you can get angry without sinning. You can get angry without sinning. And I want to show you a couple places. Um, the word anger is used all throughout the Bible. It's used um, to define who God is. It's part of His character. All right, but let's just look at some people. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn to Exodus. A couple of famous ones, and then maybe a more obscure one. Exodus 32. When is anger justified? When is it appropriate to be angry? All right, this is probably a more familiar story. This is the story of Moses coming down from Mount Sinai. 32, verse 18 says. Uh, but he said, this is talking about Moses, it is not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear as he's coming down the mountain. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot. And he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. All right, so here's number one example. We've got Moses. He's angry at idolatry. <clears throat> He's angry that, that the community of people had, had, had changed their hearts, had changed the desires of their heart, and, and made the golden calf and something to create an image of God. And so there was a, a, a change in their heart, in the desires of their heart. And Moses felt the only way to create change was to create anger. All right? And here's an example. This, this can work itself out kind of easily in our lives, thinking about the application. If you have kids, there are times that anger is needed to teach and get the right response. All right? One guy said that you, you are a fool if you never get angry at your kids. You are a fool if you never get angry at your kids. I want to be clear on this. I'm not talking about losing your temper. I'm not talking about outbursts of anger because he's going to say later on in Ephesians, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. All right? Here's an example of what I mean. Even this morning, all right, 
I had the boys with me, and we're driving to Starbucks, and, and we drive by Zuma. And there were some, some decent-sized waves this morning, and Finn was like, I'd go out there and rip that. And I was like, okay. Now, I could have let that go. And this, isn't, this wasn't like an anger. This was like a, a teachable mom. Okay, I'm, here's what annoys me. And if, you, if you're like a surfer kind of person, this person annoys you. You always talk big. You always I'll surf big way. I'll surf mad whatever. You talk big. And right, you, you, we all know you're, everyone's, you're, you're just full of it. You're not gonna, I'm not going to allow my boy to be that guy that talks big all the time. Like he can surf and rip anything. And we, we all know you can't. All right? So I said, Finn, don't say that. You're not, you would, it's bigger than you think. You're not going to go out there and surf that. All right? So that wasn't an, an angry out, but he said something that if I let that go, he's going to be the gut and guy when he's 20, and he's going to be a big talker, and all of his friends are going to think he's totally full of it. Uh, my, that's not going to be my boy. He's not going to be that kind of guy, because the, they bother everyone. If, if our kids, okay, this is, I mean, this is kind of a, a, an easy one, but if your kids are doing something dangerous, if they're near the street or whatever, you're not like, hey, don't do that, please. Okay, all right. You use your voice. You speak loudly, clearly. Your loud dad voice, and you say stop. Okay, and you do that. You do that so they don't get hurt. So anger, anger is a gift. It is a precious thing. It's part of the image of God to protect. We need men and women that will get angry over sin and will protect innocence and protect our children. Stand up for what is right. We lose sight of biblical Christianity if we're just apathetic, self-centered, pleasure-seeking people who will never stand up for anyone. That it, you, you just have to have your eyes open to see that people are hurting in the world. It's not that hard. There is so much pain and hurt and devastation from evil. And we need people that will stand up for it. Anger is a powerful emotion that, that is like a heat-seeking missile whose target is to destroy. All right, another example of something like this would be like when my children lie, all right, my kids lie sometimes. I don't say, that's okay. Next time, tell the truth. That's okay. No, I get upset. I get upset at my boys if they tell a lie, and I deal with it. All right? Because liars, that is a self-destructive behavior. Let's look at another example. Mark chapter 3, we'll look at Jesus. Now, if you don't like Moses, we'll go to Jesus. Mark <laughs> chapter uh, 3. Mark chapter 3, this is the story of when Jesus wants to do something good, he wants to do something right, he wants to bring healing, he wants to bring restoration. He cares about people. All right? And there's a couple things we can get from this. Number one, we cannot get fixated on just the anger. You have to get fixated that Jesus loves and cares about people. All right? 
Mark chapter 3, verse 1, we'll start. All right, and this is Jesus. He's going to get angry at the religious leaders. Chapter 3, verse 1. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus, the religious leaders, to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, religious leaders, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good? Or to do harm? To save a life? Or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger. Jesus gives them the eye. He gives them the look. The glare. Someday, those of you that aren't parents yet know that the look works. You give them the look. All right, it's got, I just thought of this really fast. When, when uh, the look works, it works in husband and wife relationships too. This is the only, my wife has given me the look, I think, like once. And uh, Chase was like a little baby, and, not uh, kind of a baby, and, um, we were at the beach, and there was a creek flowing, and I said, I gave Karen chase, and I hopped over, and I just said, Karen, just toss chase to me across the creek. <laughs> and she gave me the look, and it was like, that's not happening to my newborn son. And I wasn't newborn, but the look, the look works sometimes. That's a new dad. Okay? You just don't ask your wife to like, throw your child across the, the, the creek. I can catch, though. Rob would ask that. Rob would say that, or Renner would say that, probably. You think you can catch a ball, you think you can catch a child. All right, so Jesus says, he looked around at them with anger. All right? And then it says, grieved at their hardness of their hearts. And he said to them, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. All right? The Pharisees had turned something um, valuable and precious and good, had turned the Sabbath into to a, an outward religious rule thing, very really stringent. And Jesus gets upset. He gets angry at them for distorting the law, for distorting the purpose of the Sabbath. And it even goes back and it connects to, to Moses' anger. When we, when we distort truth, when, when people's lives are at risk. We need people who will stand up for the truth, who will be defenders. And that's, there's an important aspect to this of anger. All right, And here's how we often get it wrong. And I said this in the beginning. We often get angry when someone says something that hurts our ego. And so we get angry. What are we defending? Your ego. Who you are. All right, But righteous anger... Here in the story of Jesus, it's about bringing healing to this man. It's about caring for people. Romans uh, chapter 1 verse 18 talks about anger and, and how God, Romans chapter 1 verse 18 I believe, and where there's an aspect of who God is, that he is continually angry <clears throat> at people who indulge in evil. Turn back to Ephesians, and I'll show you that one other place. Ephesians chapter 5, just a few verses. 
um, after uh, where we're at. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6 says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. The wrath of God, that is the anger of God, the righteous anger of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. The reason why is that in, in acts of disobedience, people are getting hurt. Lives are getting messed up. And often, often it's, it's men who are doing hurtful, damaging things, either towards their wives or towards kids, lose their temper, outbursts of anger. I want to connect this, and I'm almost done with the, uh, um, the, the positive aspect to this. Continue on to chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline of the Lord and in the instruction of the Lord. In the discipline of the Lord in the instruction of the Lord. That means you lovingly care about people if you have enough reaction against evil or sin that you care, that you're willing to step in. Um, Be angry and don't sin. The ability to sin is easy. I'm going to share one last thing. Um, Last week, I, I mentioned my next-door neighbor, Mrs. Plouffe, and I lived in a great neighborhood, <laughs> all right? Now, across the, across the street, my uh, kitty corner from me uh, was another guy named Ziggy, and so <laughs> I had funny neighbors, Plouffe and Ziggy, all right? And actually, I just told the story to Todd and Lockwood, I think just the other day, and I was probably 13 or 14, and I was out mowing the yard, and... Um, and I turned the lawnmower off to go empty the grass. And I could hear like this screaming, like weird, crazy screaming across the street. And so I ran out from behind my backyard. And I saw Ziggy on the ground with his son. Ziggy was an old guy. His son was probably about my age now. His son had him pinned on the ground and was literally beating him up, like punching him in the face. And I, I remember I ran and got my dad. And it was like one of those cool dad moments because my dad came sprinting out of the house and, and ran and like jumped on the guy and, and, and tackled him. And then within a few minutes, the police had come. But there, here's the thing. Think about this for a sec. Even for us guys, <clears throat> I, I almost wonder about the, like the feminization of young men in America and us. So many of us, we'd probably just go in the house and call the police. Lock your door and call the police and hope that he doesn't come and hurt you. That's stuck in my mind forever that my dad would do that. And my dad, and it was, you know, it was my stepdad. He is not a big guy. But he loved Ziggy. He was our neighbor. And neighbors, you, you protect. And if someone's getting hurt, the right thing to do is get angry when someone's getting hurt and you do something about it. He did not say, let's open my Bible and pray about this first. <laughs> he protected Ziggy. Someone's getting hurt, you protect. And I feel like that element is missing. But we have to be very, very careful because it's so easy for anger to get involved with sin. Be angry is a command in the Bible. As in the image of God, righteous anger, which has the element of protecting. 
of defending innocence, defending people who are hurting. Here are three warnings, and I'll, and I'll go through these quick. No, number one, the three uh, warnings. Number one, do not sin when you do it. Number two, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Number three, do not give the, uh, the devil an opportunity to operate in your life through your anger. All right, so one positive and three negative commands. We talked about the positive, to be angry, righteous indignation, that you're defending and standing up for people that are hurting, as Jesus did. Three warnings. Number one is don't, don't let sin get interwoven with your anger. And go on, look down here at the bottom of a chapter of, uh, 4, verse 31. And here's an example of this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. All of this negative talk. Here is how anger, and here's how we get it backwards. Let's just be honest about this. We get it backwards. We will fight with words. If someone says something that that attacks your pride or your ego, you will return with bitterness and wrath and all these things. And Paul is saying, this is not who you are. These things put away. Earlier uh, in chapter 4, Paul uses the language of putting off the old man and putting on the new man. In righteous anger, righteous anger will not have bitterness and wrath and these things and slander and mean speech. There will be, verse 32, there will be kindness towards one another, tenderheartedness towards each other. Here's one other way to summarize maybe even this whole thing, is that Christianity, as Christians, we are peacemakers. We are peacemakers. On rare occasions, we are peace breakers for a deeper peace. On rare occasions, we are peace breakers to achieve a deeper peace. That has to be who you are. When someone attacks you personally, You are a peacemaker. When someone attacks you personally, you are a peacemaker. You let it go. You are first and foremost a child of God. Accusations against you cannot stick because of who you are in Christ. On rare occasions, you might have to stand up and be a peace breaker to achieve a stronger and more meaningful peace. But if you do, if that is necessary, here are the guidelines. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. It must be temporary. Anger must be temporary. Don't allow it to to fester and grow in your life. Don't take this verse literally because if you lived in Alaska during the summertime, we'd have a problem because it never gets dark, right? So it's not to be taken literally. The idea is that anger must never be allowed to grow like an infection in your heart. Why? The last negative command is that because prolonged anger opens the door for the devil to be active in your life. Prolonged anger, sustained anger in your life that's aimed at people opens the door for Satan 
or evil to work itself out in your life. You must know this, that the devil will exploit your anger. Subtly, sneakily, will work its way in there and and turn your anger into sin and an opportunity for the devil to work itself out in your life. This This is a very odd, and this is so significant. This is just a straightforward truth about the power of anger. And we have to have our eyes open to this. Here's one of the things that Christians often do in their mistake is we think that to be Christian means you're like super nice all the time and so you just stuff your anger down. And here's the thing. The nicer you are, a lot of really nice people here in our church, the nicer you are, the more tempted you're going to be to stuff your anger and not deal with it the way God's Word tells us to. You're going to stuff and stuff and stuff until you explode. Until you literally explode with anger and you do something really stupid, end up in jail, end up hurting someone, devastating lives. The Bible never says to stuff your anger. The Bible says be angry and sin not. The Bible says if someone accuses you of something, let it go. Don't protect yourself. Don't protect your ego. Don't don't stand up because someone attacks your pride. It opens the door for the evil one to work itself out in your life. Paul is saying this because there are some things in the Christian life worth fighting for. You stand up for what is true. And if you look at the progression here of Paul and his teaching... Again, he begins with with truthfulness, with honesty. You stand up for what is right. You stand up for what is true. And anger is a necessary element to the Christian life because it energizes you to stand up for what is right, for people that are hurting, for people who have been hurt. I want to finish with this. He's talking about church relationships. And the reality is this, is that if you stay in one church long enough, someone's going to make you angry. If you get married, it's only a matter of time before your spouse makes you angry. If you have a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, it's only a matter of time before they make you angry. And we totally, again, I've said this earlier, we totally distort and mess up this concept of anger. Here's how interpersonal relationships should happen. Paul says this, Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted and forgiving one another. But there's an element, there's a right way to deal with anger. I'm going to say one last thing, and I'm going to comment on the last part of the verse, and, um, and then I'll be done. And I debated on whether or not to share this, but I, just, I, I think it, it's significant and helpful. Um, I think it was Tuesday night. Um, we had home group at our house, and um, and Karen was making cookies, and um, I was encouraging her to come sit, but she kept making cookies, and it just so happened though that there were leftover cookies, and so I guess it was Wednesday morning, I think, that we were getting ready for school, and there was a whole bunch of cookies in the Ziploc bag, and. Um, 
And so we were kind of walking out the door, and I grabbed them with the, the sincere intention of like bringing them to school, oatmeal, raisin cookies, and I was going like to share them with Karen and or uh, maybe some of the other teachers. But they were on my desk, and I just got busy, and it was like before school, and I had coffee, and I had one, and then it was break time, and I was like, man, these are good, and I had two. <laughs> and then lunch, I think I had three. <laughs> and I, I ate them all, <laughs> the whole bag. And, and if you know my wife, she's very sweet, but I like seriously ticked her off. Yeah, I got the look. Maybe worse, I don't know. But here's, and here's her, in her mind, she had made those for lunches for the boys all week. And what she was mad at, and justifiably so, that I wouldn't even think that, that that thought wouldn't even like enter my head. That I was just like, and I was, and I was like, Okay, I was like obtuse. Okay, I was just me. They're good cookies. I'm going to eat them all. No, I wasn't thinking that. I, honest, I tried to have good intentions. But here's the thing. Here's the anger. All right? She was mad. But here's, and this is what you need to learn how to do. She did not yell at me. She didn't like confront me at school. She thought about it for a couple hours. I know she prayed about it. And later on that evening, she talked to me about it. And, and I was like, it, it, it was a way to solve the problem, to like encourage me to not be so self-centered, to like open my eyes. But it wasn't an outburst of anger. That is such a distinction that you've got to learn that people will tick you off. This is not saying fly off the handle and defend yourself. All right? Thought about it, prayed about it. Hours later actually had the guts to talk. She didn't get on the phone and call Karen Renner or Ashley or some of her other girlfriends and say, what a knucklehead husband I have. She didn't do that. She talked to me about it. All right? Ephesians, the last part of Ephesians, is about unity within the body of Christ. And we screw it up big time because people tick us off, we get angry, we don't know how to handle it. And we go and we gossip and we say things to other people. Instead, Listen, think about it. If someone makes you angry, think about it. Pray about it. Verse 32 says this, Be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted. And when the time comes, you forgive. That's what true relationships are about. That's what a true marriage is about. What true friendships are about. Is that there is enough internal strength that you can speak the truth to someone not an outburst of anger, but you deal with it honestly. And Paul finishes up with this. He finishes up with the ultimate example. Forgive each other because we will make each other upset. We will irritate each other. But we must be a community that does this, that we forgive one another. And as the ultimate example... As God in Christ forgave you. As God in Christ forgave you, so you forgive other people. This is what it means to be part of a church, to be part of a community. That you don't hold grudges. That we don't get upset at the birds. The birds, the owls, you safe? Um, to be a part of a community means that we have these kinds of attitudes. 
Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are all about you finding your identity in Christ. Who you are in Christ. That you are a child of God. That you are forgiven. That you can live free from the condemnation of sin. Chapter 4 and 5 are moral imperatives. They are commands. And the commands thus far are to be people of integrity, to be honest people. Speak the truth. If you have a a habit of lying, you need to stop that and understand, think through why you are doing it. The second moral imperative is to be angry and don't sin. That you stand up for what is right. That you are patient yet long-suffering but we protect those who cannot be protect themselves. That we are a community of people that are considerate, that we're thoughtful, that we're tender-hearted, and that we do forgive when there have been grievances against each other. The Gospel says that despite your flaws, despite your sin, God is reaching out to you And that through His Son, Jesus, you can be restored and healed and into a healthy and whole relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. This morning, we're going to finish with worship. And the reality is, I know this to be true. In a group this size, there are people that have anger tendencies. And if you're a dad, like I am, That is a legitimate issue that you misguide your anger toward your kids. And if you're a guy here and you have an anger issue and you don't have any kids, fix it now. Get real and deal with it now. Otherwise, you're going to be the kind of guy that maybe a few years down the road will come knocking on your door because you're picking on your kids. And will get in your face because you think you're tough and you're a thug and you can beat up on your wife or your kids. Deal with things in your heart this morning as we worship. Let's pray.